And welcome to another Round the Rotary with me, your host, J.P. Warren. And with us today, we have Austin Bryant, the account manager at Faith Manufacturing. How are you, I, manufacturing, hard G. That's how right. You do, how you doing today, Austin? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You excited to be here today? I am. I am. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Yeah? I'm doing, I'm doing as good as I can be, I guess. It's been, uh, as I said before, it's been Groundhog Day a little bit. Uh, you wake I'm trying not to read the news. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. I'm trying to stay away from that. But uh, other than that, man, I mean, things are going good, but we're not here to talk about me. Right. No one cares to hear my story. We want to hear your story today. Okay. That's the important part. So uh, why don't you just uh, kick us off, buddy? Give us a little, uh, give us a little background about yourself and uh, kind of how you broke out in the oil field. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, I broke out in the oil field back in 2007, and uh, I would consider myself what I've heard you recently referred to as first-generation oil field. Um, I grew up knowing um, the lead singer of the greatest cover band of all time, the Guzzlers. Wait, where'd you grow up at? Uh, in Sugarland. Okay. Uh, oh, that's right. You went to uh, you went to the same high school as my wife. That's right. Okay. Yeah, I think I was one or two years behind her. Any? We don't need to get into any stories about her, do we? Well, I, I actually met her through you, so our paths never crossed during exactly. high school. <laughs> Good answer. So let's keep going. Um, so, yeah, um, I, I actually entered the oil field in a, a pretty unique way, I think. I, I um, This this gentleman I mentioned, that who is the um, lead singer of The Guzzlers. Right. Um, he was the COO of Alice Chalmers when... He gave me the opportunity to start running and setting up band equipment for him and the Guzzlers. Fun fact, I actually, after Noble Drilling, I was at Alice Chalmers before it was Archer for about three weeks. I didn't know that. Well, now you do. So is everyone else out there. Great, great. So yeah, I I, uh, I was setting up band equipment for the Guzzlers going back to when uh, Magnolia Bar and Grill was still open off of Richmond. That's, uh, a, that's a throwback. That is a throwback. Um, so uh, it was around... That time, around 2007, that uh, this gentleman stepped away from Alice Chalmers, he was a COO there, and started his own PDC Drobit company. And it was really, I think, meant to be a temporary gig at first. He uh, offered to pay me to come in and help clean out the uh, the space that he had rented from what was left in there from a previous tenant. Okay. And then I just kind of stuck around um, and was a member of the maintenance team and, and helped set up and build the racks that would store kind of the the chemicals and things that we would need to build our our PDC bits um and uh taught myself how to weld during that time and wow. became a uh uh in charge of making bit boxes and breakers and was really just a, a general shop hand for a while grunt and then there was an opportunity uh, a bit needed urgently to be hot shotted out to the permian and I raised my hand to go right so I leveraged that opportunity into um, shadowing our, our Permian field salesman out there. Um, and I was just young and eager enough to make the drive from Midland to Fort Stockton three times a week and drive out there to the West Ranch and call on company men. And, and, and so you never pushes. had any experience in sales or anything like that? Not before. Well, yeah, no, no, not nothing substantial to speak of. I think it's so interesting. I mean, everyone, you know, there's, there's people say, you know, how do you, you know, get a job in the oil field? How did you start off in the oil field? Everyone's story is completely different. Yeah. Whether it's some a guidance counselor, whether it's setting up band equipment, whether it's going to a staffing agency and and then just kind of getting you everyone's story is different. Yeah. So it's such a hard answer to give. Like, how oh, did you break down the oil? Field? Well, it's kind of everyone's path to get in is very unique, but once you're in, 
I love it. I do too. I do too. I, I'm I'm very proud to be in the industry that we're in, even given the the state of things. Well, every industry is a yeah dumpster fire right now. So exactly. so you started you started uh, calling company men. That's right. Yeah, and that was uh, that was a, a an in- interesting experience in that uh, you pointed out I had very little sales experience before that. Right. Um, I knew how the bits were made and and um, calling on these tool pushers and company men trying to get our product on their rig was uh, at 21 or so um, pretty difficult to get their attention or respect. Right. So to be perfectly honest, uh, I, I stammered around a lot and, and uh, got a lot of doors slammed in my face right at first and run off a few locations, but it was it was invaluable experience. In That's terms- how you find your groove, though. I don't yeah. think people need to fear rejection. I think it's, uh, I mean, it, 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 it takes people, it took me probably about, eight, nine months, maybe in a year and a half before I found my groove. You yeah. know? So you got to kind of uh, don't be afraid of being rejected. Right. And, and to that point, I think that it's it's cliche to say, but it's relevant, I think. I mean, you, you don't grow inside of your comfort zone. You have to get outside of your comfort zone right. to, to sort of build that skill set, right? Right. That's and the point. Yeah. So that's what, that's what that experience was for me. Later, that company was sold, um, and I found work with a drilling contractor. Um, and this is kind of a funny story. I'll never forget. I, I, onshore, offshore? Onshore. Okay. Uh, land rig. So um, go to your, go back to your funny, hilarious story. <laughs> so I, I, uh, I called, you know, and tried to get on with this drilling contractor for, I don't know, long enough for the receptionist there in Alice, Texas to know my voice when I called at 7 a.m. every morning. All right. <laughs> um, I didn't have to introduce myself uh, towards the end there. And then finally... They called me to come down and do my physical and so on, and I was sick as a dog. So I drove from Houston. Pre-COVID. Pre, Pre-COVID. <laughs> this was 2010. Um, SARS area. Go on. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, we're going to frame all of the, Everything, uh, the timeline as to what... You had to line it up with pandemics. <laughs> there you days. go. That's, that's the state that we're in today. Um, so, yeah, it was around 2010. I got the, uh, the call to go do my physical to, uh, to see if they would hire me. And I was sick as a dog. And I left from Houston, drove down to Alice, did the physical. Um, and I thought that I would be going home the, the very same night. So I didn't come down with a dop kit, a change of clothes, anything. Right. But I did the physical, and they sent me straight to the yard. And um, I believed what I'd been told, that uh, your two-week hitch starts today. And uh, about 5 o'clock on the last day of that first two-week hitch, the foreman out there in the yard uh, came to us and said, boys, they didn't hire as many hands as we need, so you can go home, but if you do, don't bother coming back. Um, So there I stayed for four-plus months, no days off. Really? Yeah. Um, And I was part of a team that built Rig 515 for this drilling contractor. Um, It it was a lot of working with welders, cutting, um, building tanks and things like that, taking motors out, setting them up. Feel free to leave a comment if you know what uh, what company that is. Don't don't mention it. I won't. I won't. Um, But... uh, so, yeah, four and a half months, uh, really, they're in the yard. I would occasionally get called out uh, when, a, when a hand would get run off of a location out in the Midland and go finish out their hitch, but then straight back to the yard. Um, so there, uh, after 515 was built, and at the time, and maybe even still, it was top of the line. I mean, top drive, iron rough neck, fiber optic setup in the backyard, I mean, right. you name it. It was top of the line. It was very, very cool to be a part of that process and and that 
experience of being there and watching you know sheets of metal slowly turn into the backyard of, of a drilling operation was really that's such a good experience too and I, I think everyone getting field experience is extremely important but I mean coming from first generation oil field I mean kind of like myself I mean you can read books about it you can watch move but if unless you're there boots on the ground it's very difficult to learn the ins and outs and kind of the, the whether it's the oil field slang or whether it's what this piece of equipment does unless you're there right yeah. so that's got to be a great experience for you it certainly was and uh so uh when the rig was completed we there were 20 of us in the yard we had like four trailers and everybody just we worked sun up to sundown and then we go into the trailer, wake up, and hit the yard. I mean, it was 15 steps to where we were working. So um, once we finished building the rig, uh, foreman out there again split us 20 guys into two groups of 10 and literally flipped a coin. And he said, uh, side A is going to stay on and spud this rig's first well, and side B is going to go home for two weeks and relieve these guys. Okay. So I was, of course, uh, on side A, so I didn't get to go home yet. Um, but it was really, really cool to see that rig broken down after we had you know, tested everything um, and then move it out to location and, and begin drilling operations. That was really, really um, cool. And so um, stayed on with that company for uh, 11 months, probably close to a year. Where's the funny story? The, where you get the coin flip? The uh, now you have me. Uh... No, no, don't go through the notes. Don't go through the notes. That's the funny story. You, not, you thought you were going home, and then you had to stay another two weeks. Well, more than more than that, the the four and a half months of just staying there, and and them telling me your two week hitch starts today, and then not going home like, for time out, time five out. months. I just came down for a physical, buddy. <laughs> that's that's I got. That's... I came down for a physical. I don't know what's going on right exactly. now. Exactly, I've been here four and a half months. That's right. Yeah. Um, so. Um, Moving on. That was the funny part. I like that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for making me feel like it was so funny. Uh, <laughs> uh, so um, actually, right when my, my first child was born, um, I enjoyed all of my, my experience with this drilling contractor and uh, um, have nothing really bad to say about my time there. But um, right after my first child was born, I, I came back and, and my first hitch back, first couple of hitches back, really, just bad experiences a couple of dangerous experiences okay. and that made me sort of shift my focus and, and look for something in the city right um and so i went and applied for my first corporate position and uh, landed a spot um, in a sub c group um with was that in sales or was it no it, I, I actually started as a global rental coordinator okay so I, I mainly acted as a liaison between our three rental hubs globally uh, one in Aberdeen, Scotland, one in Perth, Australia, and the other being in, in Berwick, Louisiana. Okay. Um, I, in that role, I got a, a ton of valuable experience in terms of being exposed to a, a, a corporate um, uh, setting and, and structure. Um, I had no idea what SAP was before uh, joining that, that company. And, I still and, don't. <laughs> Well, I, I, I got everywhere. I got some uh, some extensive experience doing that, um, managing our rental assets through that that software system, and um, uh, would host weekly conference calls. So, uh, how long did you do this uh, before? 
I mean, how long did you do this uh, position for before uh, your next? Uh, your- I was in that role in subsea uh, for a little over two years. Okay. Um, towards the end there, I was um, spending about every other week, one week in Houston, one week in Berwick, moving, you know, rental assets through the shop so that we can meet project okay. deadlines and, right. and spending some uh, some time down there watching that operation um, and not being hands-on in terms of my hands on the tools, but being responsible for making sure asset X, Y, and Z assembled, tested, and out the door. So logistics, kind yes, of dealing, quality control. Yes, okay. absolutely, all, all right. of that. So how did you, you get into sales? I have the gentleman I alluded to earlier, um, the lead singer for The Guzzlers. Um, he's somebody, I, I grew up knowing him my right. whole life. Right. And uh, I think, um, I don't know when exactly, but I, he stood out to me as different from all the other dads in the neighborhood. Right. And I kind of honed in on his swagger or style or whatever. And and uh, I've been trying to do my best impression of that guy since I was like 16. So um, that's uh, that's who I, I, he gave me my first shot in the oil field. And if I ever have a question, I feel like I can go to him still. He's, it's funny. It's, I remember when I was at uh, Noble Drilling, I was in the ops management trainee program. And I remember I was like, before I got into that, I was in HSE. And uh, they were like, you know, career development, JP, what do you really want to do here? And there was like a group of like four or five older gentlemen, always wore suits, like, completely like madman style you know what I mean? i'm like that's what i, I love to do yeah that's exactly what i want to do because you know you saw them kind of walk the halls like they had like a, they carried themselves to swagger uh and uh and i was like okay that's that's kind of what i want to do so how do i get there it's i like, mean I, well, I, you got to learn the rig first that's when i started going offshore yeah for the end goal to to get into marketing to your point i mean in in terms of uh motivation uh while I was literally pushing that broom in the shop for that PDC drill bit company I broke out with, you know, there was a window to the conference room that overlooked the shop. Right. So I would see these guys come in and be back slapping and talking and laughing. And I was covered head to toe in graphite. Right. You know what I mean? And I, I just, I, I honestly went to our sales manager and said, how do I get from here to there? And uh, he gave me some some very valuable advice. Um, actually, was um, kind enough to invite me to his home and, and sit me down and really kind of uh, give me as, as as much guidance as he possibly could. Um, and I took his advice while I was there, and that's what I think gave me the the uh, the courage to raise my hand when that bit needed to go out to the, right. the Permian and and the the you know courage to to ask the uncomfortable questions and and uh so it was good that you got got first off it's good that you actually had the uh the motivation to go to the supervisor and ask them how do i how would i transition from my current role which mm-hmm. i'm fine with to a new role new discipline inside the same company i don't think i think that's probably pretty pertinent to listeners right now don't be afraid to ask um if especially if times are slow times are i mean where else can I add value? Yeah. How do I transition to this position, which seems to be more active or had add value? I don't. I'm not comfortable with that. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to skip past the rest of my kind of work history, but to your point, you know, I think that many many people are doing uh, or taking many different approaches to this slowdown in our industry. We'll call it. Um, and you know, at different levels, you have different. Uh, 
options available to you, different things that you can do. Um, right. But where I am currently, and, and well, let me back up and, and just finish to say that I, that, that corporate subsea role, um, I was essentially at the end of my time there given the option. One of our regional coordinators had been let go, and uh, my wife was pregnant with our second. So um, I was given the option to move full-time to Berwick or find something else internally. Um, And because of the support system that we have here in Houston, it didn't make sense for us at the time with her being pregnant with our second to go and- Congratulations. Thank you. Um, that was six years ago. <laughs> Better late than never. That's right. Um, I understand you have a, a, a birthday party that you're putting together here coming up, right? Yes, I do. That's she turns 78 months, I think. <laughs> wow. Something like that. Wow, how precious. No, but Evelyn, it is, she's beautiful. And Thank you. I am. Uh, I, I know you guys are, are uh, doing a lot. I just heard you talking about setting up for that party, so you're... You're a phenomenal father. And well, thank you. That's so off you. to you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, back to the, the, back to the point. oil field with back no feelings. Back to the oil field with no feelings. Go on, man. <laughs> you want to go mad, man. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, I did opt to take that uh, um, internal transfer. I actually wound up back on the surface side, and I yeah. moved into inside sales. And um, that's where I met um, who I would consider kind of my second mentor, Really, he was the uh, uh, Houston City Sales Group manager, um, and me being on the inside sales desk, I was putting together a lot of quotes for our, our outside salesmen and um, running um, some smaller projects at first um, internally, cost exercises and things like that. Um, but eventually, um, wound up being kind of he put me under his wing a little bit and pulled me over into some higher level projects working directly for the VP of sales for um, the corporation and and, uh, was uh, in charge of collecting IOIs or items of interest from our sales guys, compiling that on a weekly basis and delivering that to our VP of sales. Um, And then uh, there was an acquisition that happened um, where there was a, a big justification exercise essentially is what it was for um, our sales group. And so there was a big six project that um, I uh, had the opportunity for probably four months or more to be at least two or three times a week in a room with uh, VP level, even CEO level right. um, folks. And, and to see the way that these guys um, moved and talked and, and just, I just, I was, Certainly low man on the totem pole, but I soaked up everything that I possibly okay. could from from these guys. And, and I think that that experience gave me the confidence to take my leap of faith, if you will, to uh, to join Faith Manufacturing where I am now. So how long have you been at Faith Manufacturing? Four and a half, approaching five years. And so you've been in sales uh, when, you, when you started there? I did. I started as uh, our global account salesman, um, global account manager. Um, I constitute the entire global sales force for faith manufacturing. Um, Humble brag. <laughs> so when you so when you went over to uh, faith manufacturing, did you know about the products or did you know actually what they did? Or yeah, was actually. one of those like, I'm going to plunge in, I'm going to learn it, I'm going to do the best I can? A bit of both, right? Okay. So it was, a, it was a new role. Um, it was a new... Uh, experience for me to to step out and be um sort of the face of a uh a, a organization or um 
you know, what, however you would say that. But um, I did come in knowing the product because um, they were actually um, a vendor of someone who I left previously. Okay. okay. Um, so that said, um, I did know what I had a pretty good familiarity with everything that uh, fit within faith manufacturing scope um, and had some connections that, that uh, from all of my previous roles that would be beneficial in terms of um, helping us align with either new product lines within the same group or uh, even expanding our, our um, uh, I'm blank, sorry, I don't know if this thing is edited. It's not. Good. Uh, <laughs> but no, my, my, my goal coming in was to come in and diversify us as much as possible. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I feel like we've diversified ourselves as much as we possibly can within the oil and gas space. Okay. Since so the- how, how have you, I guess we, you, you spoke to this earlier, uh, earlier a little bit about, you know, during this, you know, reduced activity or during pandemic or whatever, you know, it's, uh, people have different, you know, work. I guess, uh, motivations or attitudes, mm-hmm. whether they put their phone on silent in the drawer, you know, in the, in the garage or whether they're very out and open. How have you adapted to, I guess, um, the, uh, inability to get in customer's office and how have you adapted and been creative or innovative, um, during these times? And obviously innovate innovation creation still is probably continuing, but, yeah. um, how, how, I mean, how have you, uh, kind of adapted to this, uh, this new oil field. So I've kind of gone in, in maybe not the opposite direction that you have, in a different direction than you have. You've you've started this successful, awesome podcast, and 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 kudos to you. Hats off. You know I'm well, thank you. your number one fan. Um, so, uh, but what I've chosen or elected to do during this slowdown, because I can't get out in front of my customers in the way that I have right. been able to in the past, um, is I've I've turned and inward and, and looked um, uh, to pitch in anywhere I can in the shop. And, and some days that means I'm literally running a manual machine. I'm in Deber, I'm in inspection, um, I'm pitching in and quoting and, and you know, Scorpion and the Frog, my nature. Um, it, I find myself trying to improve processes anywhere that I see room for improvement. You know, it just, it just can't help it, right? So it, for example, um, pitching in and quoting, um, you know, we, have a robust vendor base that uh, we've grown over the 35, 35 years that we've been in business, excuse me. Um, but even in the the small capacity that I have in, in that group right now, um, I'm looking to expand our, our raw material vendors, for example, looking for ways for us to, uh, I'm taking the, the complaints, criticisms right. from my time out there dealing with um, being face to face with the customers, and I'm trying to um, improve improve faith manufacturers' process, products, and all that. Exactly. So you've actually taken kind of a uh, uh, time out, and I've heard this from a lot of people. I guess during the uh, the reduced activity and all that, you're doing kind of what everyone says you should be doing. Right. Um, uh, how else can I improve? myself at this company, how can I improve this company during this downtime? Because once things go back to, I don't, I don't know, I don't think they're gonna go back to normal, but I think once activity starts uh, increasing in the oil and gas industry, which it will, 
a lot of people are not going to have that time or that focus to do the uh, to do the infrastructure improvements or uh, or you know figuring out you know what can we do better. Um, so I think that's I think that's great that you're doing that because so that way you come out uh, shining. Yeah, I mean I'm just trying to sharpen my 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 tool set a right, little bit, right. you know, um, and and be better prepared to um, to attack once the. Uh, once. When it happens. <laughs> when the restrictions are lifted and things get back to normalcy, whatever that looks like. We'll see what that looks like. But I have a feeling these plastic covers and these masks are going to be they're going to be around. But we don't have to get into all that. We don't have to. Let's not. Everyone's got an opinion. That's right. Everyone's got an opinion. Mm-hmm. All right. So mm-hmm. we don't have to get into that. So um, during these times, um, besides focused on the, uh, the, the shop or, you know, increasing the vendor list or uh, improving those, what's important to you, uh, not only professionally, but also personally? Well, I would say that um, it's, uh, for me, all about self-improvement. And I think that that comes down to education, training, and networking. I um, spoke a little bit about trying to educate myself on right. internal processes during this time. Um, training, I've uh, probably read or listened to more books than during COVID than I did in all of high school. Um, and But now's yeah. the time to do it. I mean, there's, right. there's no other time. So if there's something that you might think you might be interested in, or there's something that's kind of dry, uh, it's a subject that's kind of dry, but it could improve you, yeah. your resume, or maybe you professionally, just do it. Yeah. And, and for me, I mean, I don't, yeah, it's all um, sales-centric stuff. Right. Um, stuff that I honestly haven't uh, put a lot of stock into in the past or given a lot of um, uh, Time and energy to, yeah. uh, but now's the time to to to, to take all that in. And um, in terms of networking, I am trying, fledglingly probably, but trying to improve my uh, personal branding on LinkedIn. Right. Um, I uh, have actually gotten a, a lot of great pointers and advice, and picked up some great tips from guests that you've had on okay. on, on your show, Justin, and as recently as. Uh, Maciel Diaz and, and Jamie El- Elrod. Yeah, they, they had a great uh, one about personal yeah, planning. Yeah, absolutely. Branding, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, and then when it comes to training, uh, one cool thing that uh, our company's done, and this started pre-COVID, um, but uh, Jocko Wilnick and Leif Babin have a, a book or a program um, called Extreme Ownership. Okay. And our entire management group went through that training, if you will, all together. And, and we found it so effective that after doing it, we pulled the enti- every single employee in faith oh, okay. through that, that, that training. Um, and what we found is like almost overnight going through that material together, um, we started speaking the same language and the the feeling of being siloed was almost eliminated. I feel that so many companies these days, and especially now when everyone's kind of like uncertain about the job, uncertain about the industry, um, I feel like everyone kind of does get in that hunker down head, uh, you know, under the sand silo mode where you're not communicating with everyone. Right. And actually, that kind of segues. So I'm glad you started bringing that up. That kind of segues into the, the next point that I have is is how is if you can speak to this, how is faith kind of. Uh, um, um, trans, not transition, but, um, uh, what new, I guess, cause we, we were discussing, I guess, offline and you had so many good, uh, different, uh, uh 
points of conversation about what faith is doing in this. Uh, this, this is when I go on one of my tangents, when I'm trying to make one sure, point and I keep sure. talking for a paragraph or two. Yeah, I got a lucky wife. I've already, so, uh, I've already done that so I was three at, or five times. So what, uh, what, what has faith done during these times? Um, you know, you, you're talking about you personally going to the shop or, or vendor list, but what has faith done during these times? And that's an excellent thing that y'all um, – uh, what was that leadership, the ownership? Extreme Ownership by Jocko Wilnick and Leif Babin. I can't recommend that. Highly enough. Okay. And so what, what else have you all, uh, has faith done uh, during these times? You know, I, uh, I guess in terms of innovation, we have plans for growth. Okay. Um, but, you know, those are all contingent upon the market justifying right. us p- being able to pull the trigger it's to do that. Um, so I don't want to, to give off the impression that we're hunkered down or waiting for things to, to come back. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to get in front of as many people as possible. And um, despite all of the restrictions in place, I've made a, a road trip as recently as close to a month ago um, and drove up through Stephenville and Dallas and Fort Worth and Oklahoma City. And, um, you know, the the uh, another phrase I've stolen from you, frustumers, yeah. the people that are, I'm actually being able to stay in contact with, uh, even though their offices may be shut down, I'm, I'm, you know, exerting some influence and trying to get them to meet me for dinner or, or whatever, a cup um, of coffee or something. Something. I mean, there's people that are very hesitant about um, going out, which is fine. Everyone has their own risk right. threshold. Sure. And, but I'm finding that some people that really do kind of want to get out of the house, want uh-huh. to have that cup of coffee. Oh yeah. Want to grab dinner. Want to want to just meet up. Meet up. Just Zoom. To, I mean, it's just like just to change scenery. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, the the golf course and the clay course have been. Uh, very valuable, uh, although I am the world's worst golfer. <laughs> uh, I can bet you on that. So, so, um, so the the, the you, what you're trying to do, you're just not trying to sit back and and hope for things. To as I guess that David Ramsey Wood said, you know, hope is not an option. Right, hope is not a plan. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess um, by going to see customers, by kind of trying to ch- improve the culture. At Faith Manufacturer, even if there's, even if it doesn't have to be improved, trying to find ways to improve it, um, and just showing customers that hey, we're still here, we're still around, mm-hmm. and uh, we're ready. Yeah. Well, to that point, in terms of still being around, I guess I should speak to Faith Manufacturing and and who we are as a company and 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 how we are positioned. Uh, I think Absolutely. anybody listening would probably be more interested in that than my background. Um, you know, Faith Manufacturing uh, was started in 1985 by the, the two gentlemen that still own the uh, the company. It's it's being run now by second generation. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, there was something like what we're facing now going on back in the, the mid-80s in terms of a downturn. Um, and... Greg Webster and Larry Gustine, Faith Manufacturing's owners, um, worked out at the infamous Cameron Silver Road facility um, back in the 70s and early 80s. Okay. Um, and when the, the downturn of the 80s reached its peak, um, they were that facility at one time housed thousands of employees. Um, and they were watching friends of theirs getting let go in waves of hundreds. So one night sitting on the tailgate of one of their trucks, they decided to step out, take a leap of faith, hence the name, um, and took a voluntary package and started uh, 
their own operation. So they started it during the uh, during exactly the previously worst, worst downturn, downturn until today. Until what we're facing now. Yeah, yeah. hold my beer. We got something on you. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So um, you know, uh, I think that shows an incredible amount of courage and 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 um, confidence and 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 their belief in themselves. Um, they set up shop at first in in a uh, industrial park up in Humble. Um, and rented out basically a, a, a garage space. Um, they went to the Bush factory and picked up a couple of manual machines and uh, borrowed a compressor from one of their fathers and started really just by taking overflow work from friends of theirs who had other machine shops and then leveraged their uh, relationships with their former colleagues at Cameron to uh, become a vendor for their old company. And throughout our 35 years, um, we have leveraged one opportunity into the next, proved out our, our quality, um, and uh, that has allowed us to expand into um, all of the different from surface to subsea, drilling, R&D, um, so it's allowed, it's allowed y'all to, to expand y'all's uh, book of business. Right. And, and we don't shy away from the fact that we are a Christian, conservatively run company. Um, and, and to yes. that point... I'm sorry? Faith. Faith, exactly. Yeah. Um, to that point, um, in terms of our conservative approach to, to business, um, during ownership's time, Greg and Larry, while they were at Cameron, they were in charge of um, running a course that was called Quality is Free. Um, and Quality is Free is a uh, sort of a business philosophy uh, that was laid out by Philip Crosby in uh, 1980. And uh, in essence, the message uh, from this school of thought is do things right in the first place and you don't have to pay to fix them or do them over. That's what I tell my daughter, like clean up right the first time. <laughs> That we don't have to go back and waste your time. It, it sounds time. simple enough. Right? Yeah, absolutely. But it, in, in terms of running a business, uh, it, it, it takes a, uh, a tremendous amount of, of, of work. Well, that's also integrity, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so um, that, that quality is free um, business philosophy is the foundation of what faith has been built on. Um, and so, uh, you know, in terms of the way that we, we run our business, for example, if, if we're going to expand or grow, say we're going to buy a new machine, right. we operate debt-free and have always been privately owned. And the way that we do that is if we're going to um, expand by adding a machine or, or adding some square footage to our building, um, we're going to have the justification that, first of all, we're never going to buy one machine without buying a backup. Right. Um, because if one of those goes down and we've earned some business, then we've put our customer in a bind. Um, so just by way of... Um, Redundancy. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, so um, the only way that we would ever execute pulling the trigger on, on anything like that is we had the justification and the belief that we could pay those assets off within the first year. Okay. And that's how we've grown um, over the last 35 so years. So were y'all taking any different strategy with this uh, downturn versus the previous one since 1985? I mean, I'm sure, I, I can't say, you know, what they're doing in 1985 because that's when they just started. They so just started. 
from 2015 uh, downturn versus 20. I mean, is there any different uh, strategy shift or is it just kind of the same strategy for each, you know, boom or bust? Well, from 2015 to now, um, I can say that there was a, a heavy focus on, you know, we've been ISO since ISO was a thing. Um, in terms of our quality distinctions. Um, but what we opted to do back at the beginning of maybe the middle of 2016 um, was to pursue our API Q1 license. Okay. Um, and so, you know, for a shop, our size, our tier, um, that's a, a pretty big feather in our cap. Um, I, I think we're one of a dozen in the Houston area oh, wow. with that uh, robust quality management system. That's impressive. Thank you, buddy. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, in terms of innovation and, and things like that, we're, we're working internally to um, uh, make ourselves um, more appealing to potentially other industries. Okay. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of companies do that, by the way. I've seen, I've, I mean, I've seen Stallion start doing it. I've seen Tiger Offshore. I've seen, there's a lot of companies right now that are kind of trying to pivot from like, hey, what else can we do? I mean, we have these trailer houses, like people need. People need. Quarantine stations or exactly. classrooms. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's so smart and I think it's so crucial. The fact they started uh, being innovative, adapting, like kind of when this thing hit when mm-hmm. kind of when the shit hit the fan in, yeah. in mid-march and i've seen such a great job on their on their part so i think that's good to kind of not just focus on you know it's, it's good to take a step back and not just focus on strictly the industry especially when there's nothing going on exactly exactly um so um yeah i, I guess the the message there in terms of our conservative business practice is that um you know we started our business during the closest thing to what we're facing right. now. Um, we have um, taken little by slowly conservative step after conservative step to grow and become a global supplier. I mean, we, we deliver um, oil field components from the Permian to Romania. Right. I mean, all over the world. Um, and uh, like I mentioned, we're, we're privately owned, have been since inception and operate debt free. Um, so, you know, during this time, because of the, the massive slowdown, unfortunately, a lot of our competitors have, have closed their doors. But Faith is in a position to ride out this downturn for as long as it, is, it could possibly last. And y'all have done that through y'all's conservative, whether it's purchasing, spending, uh, acquisition habits. That's right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so I think that that's going to leave us positioned to be – um, well, we'll be in a far better position, I think, than most of our competition when things turn around. Okay. So what are you looking forward to personally? What am I looking forward to personally? I'm looking forward to getting back in front of my customers. I miss... Dude, I miss that too, man. Like, I, like my wife, she loves this, like, this, like, corn. She's like, this is like my heaven. Like, <laughs> I, I don't, don't have to put on makeup. Mentality. Like, this is fine. Like, I'm like an, I'm like a, you know, uh, an introvert. This is how I charge up. And mind you, I'm like running circles. I'm like, yeah. this sucks. Yeah. Like, 
I miss my friends. I miss my frustrators. I miss getting out in front of people yeah. or meeting new people. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like that's, that's, that's the toughest thing. I, I do too. I, that's how I recharge. Yes, absolutely. That's been the toughest thing about besides seeing everyone, you know, a lot of people lose their jobs and, you know, the, the complete, you know, tailspin that everything's gone in. But that's the one thing I miss. I miss that the most. And then, um, sorry about that. And then, um, we, we we good? Yeah, we're good. I'm we're sorry. Good. I apologize. No worries. So uh, so now what? Now what? Now what? Now what are you gonna be focused on? You've done the training. You've uh, you've you've you pushed the training down to the entire thing. The silos are gone. Now what's the next uh, the next steps for y'all? For so you? so I guess the question that you would ask me is is how do you see things evolving in our industry? Um, and I can speak to it from a, a, a manufacturing. All right perspective. Absolutely. Um, something I believe to be true um, is that every purchase ever made was based on emotion and backed up by logic. And I say that to say that no matter what the landscape looks like, there will always be the need for that human element. Um, and it is and forever will be our responsibility for those of us in the world of complex corporate sales to help guide our customers through the buying process with integrity and empathy. Right. Um, However, that said, uh, the only thing that's constant is change, right? So um, our industry will continue to evolve, and we in the machining space have to adapt, innovate, and evolve with it or be phased out, period. Um, Although COVID turned things into a dumpster fire lightning quick, it won't look like this forever. Um, And once we turn the corner on COVID, pray God it's not another pandemic, um, but there will be another obstacle present itself. So we have to constantly be asking and reminding ourselves who we are, who we're not, who we want to be aligned with, and how to align ourselves so that it's a win for both sides. Right, right. And that's true, though. It's, it's one of those things. You're right. It's always going to be something. You know, if COVID wasn't here, it'd be Saudi and Russia getting in a pissing match. If it, it's, it's always going to be something. And uh, I think that's I think that's such a good point that you have. It's not like it just because it's COVID's over. No, oil's back at a hundred dollars. No, it's it's there's always going to be challenges, mm-hmm. and it's it's looking having that you know force, foresight to look at those challenges or potentially plan for those and kind of carry you through. Yeah. So. So um, let's kind of wrap this up. We're coming up on about forty-one minutes. Good little chat. Um, so, how you been spending your uh, your uh, uh, time away from customers uh, at the home? You been watching besides all the books and all that stuff? You watch any shows? I can't recommend that Michael Jordan documentary high enough. I've I, heard about that. I, I want to be like Mike. Man. I've heard that's unbelievable. <laughs> it's it's really cool. It's a really good. One. I heard that one was good, and also uh, Doug Woodcock was mentioned. The Lance Armstrong one was pretty good. I haven't seen that. I don't think it's the same Netflix. I think it's something else, though. But uh, I guess there's a documentary. I'm not really a sports guy. I feel. I feel like. I feel like. I'm less of a sports guy these days. Dude, I'll just I, leave it at that. I remember, like, I went through a stage where I was like, "All right, I, I'm gonna try." I downloaded the ESPN app, started like watching Sports Center, like started reading. After three months, I'm like, "I just don't care. I just, I just can't care enough." You know what I mean? Yeah. I kind of feels like that, like that 40 year old virgin when he's in like the around the poker table, like bags of sand. <laughs> like I feel like I can get away with probably about two or three sentences or you know a couple of combo. And then once someone's like, "Hey man, wait a minute, you don't know what you're talking about," I'm like, "All right." Let's change the subject to something else. Yeah, real quick, yeah. real quick. Well, I uh, I guess I'm kind of the opposite in that way. I I, I grew up a sports fanatic, and and um, having children will certainly 
um, adjust your schedule to, to the point that you can't necessarily be as plugged in as right. I once was. But, yeah, I was the type of guy when the NFL draft did their draft all in one day, that was like a, a, a national holiday to me. Like I would take the entire day and watch all seven rounds of the draft. Close the garage, just put on the <laughs> That's TV. exactly right. Honey, keep the kids. <laughs> no, no, no. This was way before that. Uh, but, uh, um, yeah, so um, – I'm sorry. What was the question? <laughs> I think the, I think I think the question was what shows uh, you're watching. Oh, what shows? Um, I don't know uh, that, that Michael Jordan documentary. I guess if if I was going to say one thing, I, I I found it extremely motivational, um, and uh, I just thought it was really cool to take a, a, a sort of a jump into a time travel machine right. and go back to a time when basketball time. was basketball and it wasn't time. politicized and things like that so so uh how are you so let's kind of wrap this how are your kids handling this uh this covid i mean you have a six and nine year old i have a six-year-old and a nine-year-old first and third grade we started uh school online okay monday okay um so god bless my wife she is uh, essentially a, a a full-time teacher for two right now well god bless all those parents god out bless there. all of them that, uh, my heart goes out that are dealing with this I yeah mean, it's everyone has their own little struggles with this their own frustration so everyone out there like keep it up yeah absolutely um one thing that uh i, I wanted to to fit in here that i yeah, forgot to absolutely. mention. absolutely uh, when i was talking about that quality is free program and the and the course that uh um, uh, Greg and Larry, Ownership of Faith, taught while they were at Cameron. Um, one thing in preparation for coming on and visiting with you today, I'd ask the question, um, what is one thing that, that Faith has done for its customers um, that maybe our, our competition hasn't or that would stand out? Right. So this is a, a really interesting story to me and made me super proud of Faith, not that I'm not already, but... Um, Greg and Larry taught this course, Quality is Free, this Philip Crosby business philosophy, essentially, at Cameron. Well, one of their former, quote, students that uh, took that course, 15 years in the future, let's jump ahead, he becomes the uh, a board member on one of the majors, um, and he wanted to, as kind of his first um, initiative, um, have that quality is free training um, or, or philosophy be instilled into that group. And so what wound up happening is, is that board reached out and contacted Greg and Larry. And ultimately what wound up happening is ownership of faith, these two incredible guys, took the entire North American upper management group for this major that I can't say their name, That's but it fine. would be That's well fine. familiar if I were able to, um, through six weeks of this training. And and they essentially, in doing that, helped shape the mindset of leadership at a major organization. First off, that's pretty impressive right now to get anyone, I don't care if it's a board member or who it is, to do six weeks of something. And it, it's it, this isn't recent. This isn't something that we've done here during COVID. No, but, no, no, no. no. I'm, yeah. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that's pretty that, – that, whether I'm not saying it's during COVID, but it sounds that's very uh, impressive. The fact that you have board members committing to yeah. a six week yeah. training yeah. and actually fulfilling going through. Not only that, changing the mindset, changing mm-hmm. the culture. Exactly. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, we have some. Uh, I mean, uh, 
Greg Webster and Larry Gustine, the ownership at, at Faith Manufacturing, our GM, Cass Webster, our 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 entire team there, um, and we have so many tenured people, um, and people that have been with us, if not from inception, um, close to it. I mean, we have we've been in business for 35 years, and um, we have a bunch of tenure guys. Uh, handful, maybe dozen of twenty-plus year guys, and and then uh, maybe I think five or six people that have been with us for more than thirty years, and you don't get that without establishing a stellar culture. No, and then we just had we just had uh, uh, Fesco in here, Justin Finley and Fesco. And he, it's the same kind of mentality. It's the uh, family focused. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's a uh, your your employees are not employees; they're family members. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's our faith family, uh, and that's the way that we look at it. Uh, awesome. I love I love that the, having you in here because the way you speak about your role and your job and uh, and the company you represent, uh, you can tell that you got a lot of pride in it. You know what I mean? And I and I think that's just something that's just so cool uh, to hear. I think that's uh, I think that's something. I'm not saying it's rare, but I'm right. I'm, the, I'm saying the fact that you actually wear that pride and you actually have I, you identify with uh, with faith manufacturing. I just think that's something pretty neat to see. Yeah, I mean, I just I, I think it comes down to truly believing in. Who you represent, I'm happy to get up every day and am grateful to uh, have the opportunity to represent such a stellar organization. All right, two questions to wrap up. I'm just thinking right now. What's a wild conspiracy theory that you might believe? Don't get into it. I'm going to plead the fifth okay. because that will— Not we, current we'll, events. We're not talking about current <laughs> events. This could be Sasquatch. We're not talking about current events because everyone's got a position right now about— uh, Okay, go. I'll take a position on a—what uh, 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 did you call it? Uh, conspiracy, conspiracy theory. theory. Yeah. Bigfoot is not real. Okay. Okay. Oh, that, that's that's perfectly fine. And give us <laughs> give us an original original slash motivating quote right now on the spot. It's gonna put me on the spot for a quote. That's what we do here. Mm. That's how you grow. I mean, okay. from, from the first right, sentence, you one. change. You, I got that's one. How you get a, that's how you grow. You that's right. Get out of your comfort zone. This is not original. Okay. Give me this, and then I want original. Go. Okay. Uh, The things that we want most will be found in the places that we least want to look. Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson. Okay. Now give me an Austin Bryant quote. I am so grateful for the opportunity to be on here today. Jeez. All right, guys. Well, anyway, everyone, this is Austin Bryant, the, uh, the, the, the account manager at Faith Manufacturing. I appreciate you coming in today, man. I think Thank you, you got for a the great story. I think that we have so much to cover. Um, love to have you back on. Um, really enjoyed uh, hearing uh, the story behind Faith. Really enjoyed hearing your story. And, um, again, thanks for coming in, man. And if anyone wants to, wants to get in touch with, uh, with Austin or myself, um, you can reach us at roundtherotary at cap-petro.com. Again, that's roundtherotary at cap-petro.com, and I have to plug CPC. For any uh, project engineering or a well site supervision out there or supervisors, uh, you can uh, reach out to me or give me a call um, or go to www.capitalpetroleumconsultants.com. All right, Austin, we appreciate it, man. Thank you. All right, buddy. We just shook hands for those of you that aren't watching. (laughs) 